Hey, Coffee Breakers. It's AC. And Scully. And we are with you for a Mystery Monday. Now, this is a different kind of Mystery Monday because we've already covered this case before. Mystery Monday update. Update. Um, it's still a mystery, though. It is still a mystery. I don't know. Eh. <laughs> like, it is, but it isn't. It is. Um, it is still a, a mystery. Yeah. So, and speaking of min- mysteries, how I got to this case was watching Unsolved Mysteries. See? Um, and it was on season three, episode one, mile marker, um, mystery at mile marker 45 is the name of the episode okay. that I watched. And it it hooked something in me. It really did. And I went into a very... This was before podcast. Oh, yeah. This is... Yeah, this was before podcast. Um, but... The story is for... Season three. Season number three? Yeah. Is that what you said? I think so. Season three, episode one. Yep. Mystery at mile marker five. That's it? No, 45. 45, yeah. So I watched this episode. It was like over Christmas break last year. I had some downtime. Oh, yeah. I was watching TV, which is rare for me because I typically watch a lot of TV. And man, when I tell you... Huh? That is true. You're not really a TV person, so I don't even know how you podcast, man. Yeah, but you, I don't think you had heard the podcast yet because you told me you saw the episode. No, and no, no, then I hadn't. That's when you just went off the deep end. Yes, that's when. I, <laughs> yes, that's when I, I watched the episode. Yeah, and then I started listening to podcasts. Yes, on it because my main source of entertainment is podcasts. Just gonna be honest with you because I don't have the attention span to sit and watch something typically. Yeah. Um, but I do have the attention span to do other things and listen to something at the same time that doesn't require me to like look visually at look at it. So started listening to podcasts on the case. Um, something didn't stick with me. And I told Scully when we started this that I wanted to cover the case. And yep. the reason that I wanted to cover the case is because I, everything had something different. Like, yeah. it was not a consistent story. I mean, the basic facts of the story were the same. The premise. It's just everybody else had, had different, different details. Yeah. So I wanted to combine those details, verifiable details, right. into one succinct episode. And that's what we did. And you did. I had nothing to do with the Tiffany and <laughs> case. All credit needs to go to AC on that one. You listened to me tell it. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes, but that's about it. <laughs> So we started off with Tiffany Valente part one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just an overview of the documentary. Of and what, a little bit of her, like a little where bit of, she was at that time. Right. Mindset, that kind of stuff. Background information. Yeah. And then I, we did a deep dive in part two where mm-hmm. I got all the records that I could get at the time and went through it point by point by point by point by point by point. Yep. That's a very long episode. Yes. And I said at the end of that episode, I made a FOIA request for the um, toxicology records, among other records from the New Jersey um, medical examiner's office. How many months later is this? We covered that case in February. So March, April, May, June, July, August. Seven months months later. Yes, we just used our fingers, but you're welcome. Seven months. (laughs) Seven months. We'd like to be factual on this podcast. Yes. (laughs) I do have those things. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you 
a very, very brief rundown uh, for those who have not listened to our part two uh, for Tiffany Valente and part one. I'm gonna give you just a real brief, like quick, quick and dirty yep. rundown of the case. And then I'm gonna jump into the findings from the medical examiner's office and to include a complete toxicology report. Tiffany Valente was 18 years old, a recent graduate from high school. Um, this occurred on July 12th, 2015. Oh, wow. Um, she was stated, she was slated to start college in August. She had a, a full volleyball scholarship. She was very talented at volleyball. She had went to um, her cousin's graduation party who was who lived right across the street from her okay um it was an all-day affair big party on they tend to be yeah and that was on um same day july 12th and she went and while hanging out around nine o'clock ish um her friend who was supposed to spend the night with her that night called upset they were supposed to go to an amusement park the next morning. Okay, I don't remember that. No, that's stuff that I found out after I did the episode. Okay. <laughs> and I do have a couple little tidbits like that. Okay. Um, they were supposed to go, her and a, a group of friends were supposed to go to an amusement park the next morning. Okay. Okay. This friend, I'm gonna call her Jay, called Tiffany's mother, Diane, extremely upset and said that we're coming to your house. Okay. They accused Tiffany of using Jay's credit card in an amount over $300. Okay. okay. Tiffany denied this. The whole altercation lasted about 10, 15 minutes at max. That was in front of Tiffany's house, right? That was in front of Tiffany's house. Okay. So Tiffany and Diane started searching through Tiffany's car to see if they could find this card. They did find the card. Tiffany was trying to like slip the card in her back pocket when she was caught by her mom. Her mom confronted her. Tiffany then admitted, yes, she did use the card, mm. but that the friend had told her she could use the card because she was like a DD okay. or whatever. And it wasn't $300. I think the actual amount was something like $86, $87. So why are they saying 300? Oh, well, okay. See, I think teenagers. Teenagers. And I feel like maybe she was, it's probably a parent card. Yes. And like your authorized user. Yeah, and she overspent a little bit. Probably. So it, yeah. I'm thinking it's a teenager that like, overspent and then is trying to blame it all on. Tiff. Tiff, when actually she probably, she did use it, but yeah. not for that much. Yeah, yeah. And that happens. Yes. I mean, come on now. All the time. <laughs> all the all the time. But so yes, that's probably a situation. So anyway, Diane says, I'm gonna go get your dad. Dad Steven. Yeah, she's in trouble now. She's in trouble now. Steven was in their home. That's dad Steven. Yes. Mom goes to get dad. She is literally gone in the house one minute. They come back out and Tiffany's gone. Yeah, that's the part I never could wrap my head around completely because 
Unless she's hauling tail. Sprinting, right? Like... I got... Well, yeah. <coughs> I don't know. And the pic... Didn't we look at that, though? And, like, there's not, like, woods right there. Or it, there is, isn't there? Like, where she could have sprinted into the woods and they got a... She could have got Not in the view. front, in the back. But then there's she has woods the across the street going yeah. forward, right? Yeah, so what we're talking about is there, she was caught on a deer camera or, like, a trail cam. Yeah. Um, that literally shows her walking down the driveway at 929, and we see Stephen and Diane come out at 930. Yeah, so unless she hit past that camera and just took off, and even still, you should be able to hear that. I mean, there's a party, but usually you can hear the, that running sound. Yeah, yeah the slapping sound. Yeah. Yeah, so the prevalent theory and this is just a theory, is that she got into the car with somebody right there. I had to. I mean, that's what I think. There's no way you could have got gone that fast. Because they immediately started looking. Yeah, I'm sure they went to the end of the road. They probably went over thinking she went back to that party. They did. So they would have walked to the end of the driveway. They would have looked both ways because that's just common to see if you see the back of somebody's head. And then everybody starts looking for her. And then you walk across to the party while one parent's still looking there. Like, yeah, yeah, there's no... I mean, that's what I think. There's no way to get that gone that quickly without getting the Unless car. you're running. Unless you were hauling tail. Because you are athletic. And that's plausible, but she didn't not in a minute. She had slide-on shoes, too. I'm not saying. No, that I don't believe I mean, it. you can run in slide-ons, but yeah. as somebody who has done it before, it's not advisable. Um, you're going to lose your shoes? She didn't get, no. She got in the car. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, they start looking for her. They can't find her. They thought she went back to the party. They're looking for her, looking for her, looking for her, calling for her, starting to call other people. Yeah, because um, she's gone. Yeah, poof. And then, so they, the grandmother's house was like a half a mile down the road. So they sent people down there to see if she was there. She wasn't there. Um, so they keep looking. And then around... 11 o'clock or so, mm -hmm. they find her cell phone at the end of the driveway. Did we talk? This is the thing that um, AC's neighbors reported her for. Uh, <laughs> I have not been reported. And you just need, I'm not going to tell you, you need to go back and listen to the Tiffany Valiente stuff because you just need to hear what she did. Yes, because I believe in the scientific <laughs> method and you better be able to recreate it. So you're going to tell me a theory. But was it ringing? I, it they was, just found it. They found it. It doesn't say and that it was, it was the ringing. end of the driveway. I do, it was, yes, it was at the end of the driveway. I don't know to this day whether or not it was found on the same side of the driveway or on the opposite side. I just know it was in some brush or some grass or some vegetation. Okay? Okay. They found the phone. When they found the phone, they seemed to know something was real wrong real quick because this is a girl who didn't go anywhere she's a teenage girl without her fault mm -hmm. it was an appendage it might as well have been her fingers i'm grown i don't go nowhere without my phone yeah but you do put your phone down when you're at home yes so because i don't have a she didn't arm. do that well i'm also not a teenager <laughs> right but if i'm leaving yeah it's in my hand yeah for sure um so they call in to the police department Little did they know, Tiffany had already been struck by a train 
at approximately between 11.07 and 11.16. I've seen it reported several different. Yeah. I don't know the the exact time she was hit, but between those times, four miles away. Okay. She was not hit at an intersection. No. She was hit in like a quarter mile stretch in between intersections. Yeah. Um. So they called her in. She was put in NCIC. Police did like a cursory kind of search for her out into the like local teenage hangouts. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a bolo. Yes. Uncle, who is a form the uncle whose house she was at at dirt for the party. Okay. Is a was a I don't know if he still is or not. Someone will say was. Okay. A state trooper for the state of New Jersey. He was going around, riding around through town, trying to see if he could find her. Yeah. He came up on flashing lights around 2 a.m., if I'm remembering correctly. Pulled over, like, what's going on? They told him they had somebody hit by a train, and they pulled. He tells them that, you know, my niece is missing. He get, tells them what he looks yeah. like, and they're like, it's a cursory match. Can you identify? He, and... I didn't think about it then, but that is already a misstep in this whole process. Yeah. Because he should have never been given access to see anything, honestly. Yeah. Even if it could have been a whatever, like, that should have been locked down as a crime scene. Until. Until one light, like, full-on daylight. Right. To be able to see any and everything that might have led up to that. And just to preserve any potential anything. No, I agree. But I digress. So he went and he identified Tiffany. Now, I bless. I, yeah. Because no, I'm about to go over this autopsy report with you guys and it's not pleasant. But so I'm going to go ahead and kind of shore up the, okay. the, the stuff. So initially her parents accepted that it was a suicide um actually the next day the newspaper ran local teen commit suicide via train and so I don't before agree with they that ever, either I don't either before they even did the autopsy or made a definitive ruling on the case but that's what they said they said that this was a suicide initially from what I can understand they thought they accepted it as a they didn't understand why but Based on what they were being told. Well, I mean, Uncle's saying she left upset. They're thinking, oh, young girl, she's upset, felt like she had no No, option. I'm talking about the parents. Oh, I don't, the parents believed it? I don't know that they believed it, but I think it was just such a shock to their system. Well, they kind of yeah. fl- went with it. Yeah. Um, three weeks later, her mother, Diane, was walking around, just clearing her head, like trying to figure out why, just mm-hmm. walking around. And she happens to see Tiffany's shoes sitting off the side of the road. The shoes that she was wearing that night. That's weird. Very weird. Because it was four miles Mm -hmm. from the railroad tracks. And why would she take off her shoes? Right. I mean, we get, we talk about she might have took off running, but. But it wouldn't have been there. This was like down the road. Well, how many people have you seen kick off their shoes, pick them up and take off running? Because, you know, oh, yeah. eventually you're going to get to a spot, you're going to put your shoes back on. Yeah. So that doesn't make sense. No. 
So a lot of didn't make sense. Yeah, a lot of this lot case of this doesn't case. make sense. And I highly encourage you go back to listen to part two because I'm doing a cursory summary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they started thinking that there might be something nefarious going on. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I truly believe that Tiffany didn't put herself on those tracks. Or, or if she did, she wasn't in the mindset. I don't think it was suicide. I'm just going to tell you. No, I, I don't. Agree. I think she was injured prior to being put in all the tracks based on the fact that there was a huge pool of blood. Yeah, and that's just, like, overlooked. Oh, yeah. They don't. They never tested it. Oh, they're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, big blood right there. It's like, no, you don't understand. Like, I could get blood all over after being hit, but in this one spot It, it would prior, indicate would indicate injury Prior. significant enough for you to leave blood there. So that's under the wheels at the back. That's not the point of impact, right? Yeah, it was at the point of impact where the big, huge... See, I thought it was a little farther down. No, it was at the point of impact, but that doesn't make sense either because when a body is hit by a train... Yeah, it wouldn't drop it there. It it's not going to drop one big true. pool. It's going to... It explodes. That's true. Because I'm thinking, oh, well, it could be explained away, but no, it couldn't because no. it would literally go everywhere. It literally would go everywhere, not just in this one concentrated puddle. Right. So that, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. She was bleeding before. Yeah. But they never even tested it to see if it was even her blood. So that... Just assumed. They just assumed. Well, no, they didn't even make that assumption. I, they just didn't care. So I think the initial statement that I went over in part two where the student conductor said that he saw her leap in front of the train, essentially, is what they went with. It is. And I'm going to go, I'm going to now start reviewing this stuff. Okay. Um, (laughs) So I have an external examination. Unfortunately, that's all that was done in way of uh, an autopsy. I don't know that they could have done anything else. Due to the extent of the damage? Yes. So... Cause of death was um, written up as multiple traumatic injuries. And I did, I'm going to show Scully this, but manner of death is redacted on my copy. Why? I don't know. Because everybody knows that it was ruled suicide. But you see that, right? Manner of death. Cause of death, multiple traumatic injuries. Manner of death. I'm like, can I see through it? No, it's redacted, (laughs) redacted. (laughs) That's so weird. It is very, very weird. I don't know why. It's public knowledge at this point that they ruled it a suicide. Huh. So. That's so weird. (laughs) So weird. So the final pathological diagnosis is one, extensive crushing injuries covering the entire body. Two multiple organs recovered from scene collected in separate bags. Mm. Fractures of all extremity and amputation of all extremities. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I am going to be going over this certification of external examination procedure. And it says, I hereby certify that I, Dashika, Sean, MD, designated medical examiner for Southern Regional Office, have performed an external examination on the identified refrigerated and unembalmed body of Tiffany Valente, case number 
1-15-0410 on July 14th, 2015 at the Shore Medical Center in Summerhurst, Summers Point, New Jersey. The examination started at 1,200 hours and was completed at 1,250 hours. This external examination was performed with the assistance of forensic technicians Colleen Greco, Bobby Brooks, Emmanuel Rodriguez, and Sam Sinani. James Sinani. I don't know why I said Sam. Winchester. <laughs> I guess. Um, identification. The body is received in a body bag and sealed with block number... 000-2700 with an attached tan identification tag with the case number and the name Valente Tiffany. Identification was visibly established by the decedent's redacted. Uncle. Uncle. Um, it they says, don't confirm hmm? body? Like, they don't confirm that? Like... Apparently, no. What's the difference if... I don't... Like, someone pushes me in front of a train and goes, oh, that's Jane. They just could be like, oh, that's her cousin Jane. Like, yeah, I, we're I, not going to test. I don't. I mean, I'm not discounting <laughs> that it's Tiffany, but I thought that you would. I thought that that was common practice. I to confirm, like, with some kind of record. I would agree, but I'm gonna finish going over the okay. report. And we'll just see. Okay. Um, because I can't say that they didn't. Okay. I'm just saying at this time, this is what it, this says. External examination. The body is that of a well-developed, well-nourished, white-skinned young female who has extensive crushing injuries due to being struck by a train. Exact height cannot be accurately evaluated as the body is crushed and in pieces. The body weight is approximately 180 to 200 pounds. Alright, so about two to 180 to 200 pounds. Um, the brain is lost. There is a large wound in the back of the head. A portion of the hair is attached, which is black and covered with soft brain tissue. Okay. I'm not going to go into all of the descriptive yeah. stuff because it's not needed to get the point across. Yeah. And I don't want to traumatize anybody else. If I have to, I, I keep it with me, okay? There are extensive injuries to the face. The face is crushed. Yeah. Um, the left ear is partially cut off, and there are extensive injuries to the back of the head. Height is reported to be about 6'3". On the redacted website, which was her high school website. Okay. Okay. Yes. Because of the extensive injuries on the body, her height cannot be evaluated at this point. The body torso is about 5'6". The lower extremities are cut off and separated from the body. Portions of the internal organs exploded and were found on the scene. The lower extremity left foot is crushed with the bone sticking out of it. The right leg also shows extensive injuries, cutting injuries, and is also cut removed from the body. The right forearm is cut off at the upper arm and separated from the body. The abdominal cavity internal organs erupted from the body because of the crushing injuries to the chest and abdomen. Um, there are extensive injuries noted in the abdomen and chest injuries. Extensive injuries are noted in the face and neck area. 
also sent in a container as a portion of all other organs which are in fragments and pieces. A portion of the liver is also sent separately and a portion of the kidney can be identified. Jeez. Cause of death is multiple traumatic injuries and again manner of um, death is redacted. I don't, I don't know. All right, so next up is the toxicology report. Yes, this is what I was interested in. Oh my gosh, it is, it's pretty long. Okay. Um, I will go ahead and tell you that it was negative for all substances, okay? Now, my, and that includes um, Tylenol, atripoline, amabarnitol, all substances, I ain't going on through all this, okay? I, w I was going to read you every single thing that she was negative for, yeah. but she's literally positive for nothing. There's nothing in her system, not even Tylenol. Not in her stomach or her liver. And I'm assuming they ran like the standard like cannabis, barbiturates. All like barbiturates, all um, benzos, all of it. Okay. All of it. And it's all listed here and it's all negative. I see it. Yeah. There's one copy of it. Here is the other copy of it. Y'all, and she's, she's not um, exaggerating when she tells you like literally everything. And it looks like they ran it on the liver and the stomach. Yeah, so and that's why there's two copies. If there would have been anything in it, um, in her system, it would have shown in one of these. Yes. Sorry. So, go ahead. Uh, medical examiner investigative data sheet is not something that I had access to before. Um, and I'm gonna go over that with you guys. Um, received a call from Sergeant Greg Bog Bogler, Galloway PD, regarding the above name, who was struck by a train. Bollinger had no information except the location of the accident. Pronouncement was made by Michelle. I can go with just Michelle. <laughs> at zero hundred hours. Okay. On scene with investigator prior at four, at 12.45, 45 minutes okay. is the way it's written. And we were met by Sergeant Bollinger of Galloway Police Department. Detective Ozzy. Avocito and Sergeant Keith DeLuca, both of New Jersey Transit Police. We were shown an area of railroad tracks east of Cologne Avenue where the train engineer had stated that a female darted out of the trees and ran right in front of the train. The scene had been in the woods on the north side of the tracks. A dark fluid could be seen at initial point of impact, covering the steel tracks as well as the wooden railroad ties and the rocks surrounding the tracks. And that's just accepted as that's what it was. As we headed east along the tracks, which were in the direction of the New Jersey Transit <laughs> train was traveling, numerous photographs were taken by Investigator Pryor, where body parts were found and numbered by Detective Avocito. Photographs were taken of numerous small pieces, fragments, and entrails, as well as the trunk, both arms, and both legs. These were spread over approximately half a mile, starting with the point of impact and finishing with the train itself where several pieces were photographed on parts underneath the engine and train cars. The front of the train had splatter covering the lower part of the engine emanating back toward the rear of the train. There were four total cars on the train with engine 6042 in front. 
it was reported that the train had been traveling at top speed, which was approximate at that point along the route that top speed was about 80 miles per hour. The decedent's forearms, legs, and torso were placed in a sheet, while the other parts collected were placed in two red biohazard bags. These were all placed in a black body bag and locked with seal 2700. Decedent was tagged as unidentified female, un which was how she was initially reported. Sergeant DeLuca related that he had received a call from NJ State Police Officer that they were sending one of their troopers to the scene, as he had reason to believe that the decedent was his niece. Trooper Mike, Michael Miki Valiente arrived on scene at 2.30 to view decedent. Although there was no true facial features, Trooper Valiente recognized the clothing and stated that he could tell also from the build of the decedent. He related that the decedent had been at a family party where he was also in attendance earlier in the evening. She had gotten into some trouble the day before as well as the day of the party, and her friend stated that she had cut herself and was extremely upset. <laughs> he also stated that she had been having a lot of disagreements with her mother recently and was extremely distraught over some things that had transpired. She resided with her parents a very short distance from where she had jumped in front of the train. He made a de definitive identification and went to make notification along with the officers from the transit police. Investigator Pryor and I left the scene at 300 hours. See, I thought one of the reports that we had received that you had read, there was like no clothing, I thought, or very little. There was very little clothing. So her shorts were not right. with her, but she had her underwear on and her shirt. Her shirt was ripped off, but she was still in her sports bra. Okay, that's, so that's why I find it hard. How could he identify her by her clothing? I don't know. Um, Other than they showed him pieces of her clothing that they found, I don't know. Yeah, but... Her sports bra and underwear was on. And then there's not much... I mean, when you read just the bit you read for the autopsy, I don't know, it just seems hard to identify. You see what I'm saying? No, I know, because... Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not questioning that it's her. I just find that weird. Yeah, because I don't know. Other than you know your people, right? You do. Like, you but do. I would, I don't know. I feel like I would be like, that's not mine. Like, until you gave me, like, you matched these dental records to I my child's dental. Match I know, but. It, DNA. Something. Blood type. You'd have to give me something like well, that. Well, this wasn't his child, though. This yeah, was his it, niece. I would feel the same way about a niece or a nephew. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm just saying. I don't know what their family dynamic was like. Yeah. He is a police officer, so he sees bad stuff. That's true. So he may not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's you know. true. I didn't think about that. It's either. not going to hit. It's different. It's different. He probably went into cop mode. He probably did. And, and you have to. Yeah, that's you know. true. So this is something weird that came along with these records. And it's just, I'm again, showing Scully. It, this, this is it. This is just a statement that was given to me, included in these records, but it's not signed or anything. No, it looks like somebody just typed it up. Right. But I'm going to read it to you guys, okay? Okay. Because I'm being transparent. So, on December 21st, 2017, at 10.10 hours, a multiple site scene visit was conducted including Dr. Andrew Falzon, me, Dr. Carolyn Rivercombe, me, Kevin Wilder, Chief of County Investigators, Investigator Stacy Toto. Sites visited included address of report, stated site of family party, eastbound tracks at mile marker 46, and the decedent's memorial site. 
Day was sunny and bright with no precipitation. Temperature was 38 degrees. Foliage on vegetation was sporadic and dried, making distance views clear and unabated. Cleared out, cleared lot in CVS parking lot north were clearly visible as was open vehicle path south side of the tracks. Journey began at Delilah Road, Wawa, traveling west down Tilton Road through Wrangleboro Light, veering to the left at Dorcia Drive to Manaheim Road. Potential path direction to point of impact was followed from Manaheim Road back to eastbound Tilton Road, turning north on Pamoa Avenue toward Whitehorse Pike, venturing left off Pamoa Road onto Genoa Road to clearly mark train track crossing. Turn left at crossing to follow West Brown tracks at, on north side. Last site was the decedent's memorial site located west of Power Substation on designated Tiffany Lane. Multiple site visit was concluded at 11.30 hours. So they went and looked at everything? In 2017 on December 21st. I don't know. I, I got no idea. I got no re- rhyme or reason to that, and it's literally just a sheet of paper. Yeah. The, there's mean, nothing. Yeah. There's no signature. There's no report. I don't know what this is supposed to attach to, but it's basically like, we went and lived at the scene, and this is the way that we went. Why? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, that's where we are. Um, I have no other updates for Tiffany other than there is going to be another docu. There's another documentary that is scheduled to start being filmed. And really? Yes. I don't. I can't remember who's doing it, but I got, you know, I have her on Google alert as well as Micah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did read that. I want to say it's Oxygen Network, but I could be wrong on that. I can't remember. But they're going to be doing another documentary. So here's my thing. And I'm going to wrap up Tiffany. And I'm going to continue to follow the case if there's anything new comes out. Is my theory that Tiffany was injured when she was on those tracks. I can't tell you who injured her. That's what I was trying to look up. Like, would there in any other situation be this, like, pile of blood prior to the hit? Mm-hmm. And I, I can't really find anything that said there would, like, point of impact, yes. There is usually, like, a big drop because it's bunch, but it's, like, spread. Yeah. So it's like it's moving with the G-force or whatever. Right. Like it's not just stationary. That's right. the part I can't get my head around that nobody's. Nobody's like, huh, that's a big pool of blood there. Physics don't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> like I'd like to see it. Like, are we talking like a large section of blood? Yes. Like, and why is that just like, oh, well, yeah. It was photographed. And then there's not. You can. If you have time tonight. Mm-hmm. You go watch. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Unsolved Mysteries, season three, episode one. And look at that pile of blood. Look at that blood. Because okay. it, it'll show you. Like, it, it shows. Sorry, y'all. I just put my mouth all on my <laughs> mic. All right. I'm going to have to look. Because I'm curious as it, to where and then where the train ended. Like, I actually stopped. A quarter mile away. Okay. Because they said she went about half a mile. So, that makes it. I don't know. I got to look at it. You got to look at it and tell me if you think I'm completely crazy. Yeah. In my, and we'll, we can discuss, like, yeah. you know, we can play devil's advocate. You can go one way. I can go the other. We can just, you know, Based argue it out. what the information you've actually pulled. No, I don't believe this child jumped in front of this train. 
I no, really don't. I don't either. It, I just don't. I don't. I think. And, and the fact that his story changes, which we I went all over that with part two, that it's like she jumped or I didn't see her, and then I don't know, like. And, and she may have been crouching, like right. we don't know. Yeah. I do she's think she's six foot. But you would know if she was crouching. I, I train or not? I think she was sitting. I think. She was, I, I, think I think she was hurt. I think she was hurt. And she got hit by the train. I don't think that she necessarily meant to commit suicide. No. Um, I don't think that... Uh, I think they jumped to conclusions based on what that student engineer said, that he saw and her uncle, dive. And then Uncle's like, well, she was really upset when she walked off. Right. And so, she'd been cutting herself and da-da-da-da-da. And I think they took those two things and just like, you know what? It's suicide. Like... Yeah. They didn't have enough evidence to say that it wasn't suicide yeah, either. And what's so the whole thing, Occam's Razor, easiest. Yeah, Occam's Razor. But given the fact that I really truly wish they had investigated, and I don't know what that puddle of blood would have told them, because what if it wasn't just her blood? And then my thing is, is did you understand that everything was cut from her? But did they? I didn't see where they did any kind of one documenting that it is her, which I find issue with that. I know that it is, but I still find issue with that. And then two, did you, did you, did you see if maybe there was any pre-mortem? Anything on her, anything in her fingernails that was abnormal that you wouldn't normally find after something like that? Like, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not an ME. I'm not a medical. But it seems like you would treat it as though it's a crime until you ruled that out. So we're told that every death is considered a homicide until otherwise. Like, that's what we are told. Yeah. I don't think that's the way it always goes. But see, that to me would have run this test on her. See if you see anything on her. Like, do the fingernail thing. Like, we always see them going under the fingernails and getting all that stuff out. Do that. See if there's anything to tie to anything else just to rule out that it wasn't she had foreign DNA under her or or it matches to home dude or home girl. Like, I don't know. Like, Or, for example, there was a car tag that was found with her shoes several weeks later. Right. What if that DNA that was found underneath her fingernails matched the, the owner of that car tag? Right. It would have been something to or investigate. Or her body. Like, is there something? Yeah. No. So I feel like that. This is the records that I got. I know, and I just have issue with that. Yeah, I know. Because it just seems inadequate. It's like we got a body. Clearly, she was hit by the train, so she must have killed herself. And right. it's like, okay, because like, that's the only, like... No. There's many a cases, and I'll, I'm going to find that one, where they starved and beat this girl for months and then tried to put her in front of the train to get hit, to get away with it, but she was so tiny, it went over her. Right. So it's like, people do stuff. Yeah. Like, it's not out of the realm that she even got there hoping that somebody would see her. Right hoping that it would get attention, not trying to kill herself. Or she just collapsed. Right. There's no telling. She heard the rumbling, felt it, got up, and then it was just she couldn't move in time. Right. So there was a known party house that's about a quarter mile away from that impact point where a lot of kids went and partied, like that's where the drugs were. And that back, if you look at the aerial footage, the back of that house. Does it lead to the tracks? Oh, 100 like, almost to the impact site. But she had no shoes? She had no shoes. She left the house wearing shoes. See, that's part I found weird, too. <laughs> Who brought her shoes back? Why would you bring her shoes back? Who brought her cell phone back? 
That's what I want to know because that's what happened. <laughs> I mean, in my opinion, because they didn't find that phone until 11 o'clock or around 11 o'clock. And there was a 24-second call at 1030 that was answered. Why could they not see where that phone went within that radius? I don't know. I don't even know if they ever pulled those cell phone records. I don't records. think so. It was, a, it was a suicide. Open, shut. Never even given another thought. Right. And all these years later, they don't have those records, so. True. It seems like you should be able to look that up, but I guess it wouldn't just be out there. No. Yeah. This so. one's... It's a mystery. It is, but it's a frustrating one because I feel like it was mishandled. And I know we fuss about that a lot, but, like, I feel like you should... If you treat everything like it's a crime, then you don't have to worry about, like, the mess up. Because you're going to treat it like it's a crime. And if it turns out it was a suicide, okay. Like, that's good. You, you did know that open and shut. You did that your due diligence. Right. But, like, I would be haunted. I mean, there's evidence that's missing that we've talked about. Yeah. Like, stuff that was mishandled as far as even being able to look for DNA. Like, so. So, I yeah. do eventually want to do a Tiffany part four. Really? And I want to succinct all of it again. To include the little tidbits of information about the party house and the, all that good stuff. What I have found in my research about the party house and all that good stuff. Maybe we can do that when the whatever new document comes out. I can do a summary on that and you can be like, no, no, no. Because you <laughs> can go with the facts. Okay. Because <laughs> we know how documentaries are. Yes. Those are cliff notes, people. Oh, my gosh. Cliff notes if you want to make a C paper. <laughs> yeah. Like if you want to fail the class, go watch that. Yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, coffee breakers. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll catch you for free for all. Good night. Bye.